Welcome back, everyone, to Animation Fascination, episode 107. And yes, it is me, Mark, uh, of Earth 1986. Uh, we are back this week. Um, and if you can't already tell, we're going to be talking about Spider-Man across the Spider-Verse. Uh, how are you doing, Stanford? I'm great. How are you? You know, just... Web, web slinging, uh, just, but let's just doing your spider stuff, you know. Yeah, but let's get our, our special guest in here this week. A, another spider fan, uh, who who's been on hold a maneuver, but here he is. Hello, oh, hello, Michael. Welcome hey, Michael. to Animation Fascination. Uh, thanks for having me. Yeah. Uh, and then if you guys haven't listened to the show before, this podcast focuses on the world of animation. In each episode, we feature all the latest news from around the animation industry and a main topic discussing a TV series, film, or something else. Whether it's traditionally hand-drawn, computer-generated, or stop-motion, it's animated, it is up for discussion to geek out about. Uh, so, yeah, like we set up at the, at the beginning of the episode, we are going to be talking about Across the Spider-Verse this, this week uh, with all the different Spider-Men and Spider-Cats and Spider-Dogs and Spider-Dinosaurs. Spider-Dinosaurs! <laughs> but, um, yeah, just before we like get into our discussion on the movie itself, uh, we just have a few bits of, of news that we're going we're gonna to talk about this week. Uh, so... Uh, Annecy happened uh, just recently this this week uh, over in France, uh, and some some of the news we're going to talk about comes from there. Uh, so the the first is Mel del Toro and Jorge Gutierrez uh, are leading the Mexican animation tribute at Annecy this year. Uh, Guillermo del Toro obviously just did the Oscar-winning Pinocchio film that came out last year. Uh, Jorge Aragar Gutierrez, uh, he did uh, The Book of Life um, as, as far as like one of the more recent features that he did, which I thought was very good. Uh, it's all, he's a good follow on, on Twitter, too, if you don't follow him, too. He, he's always posting... Um, very interesting, uh, at least as far as like photos and in, in relation to context of, and then it just says like Hollywood next to it, and it'll usually just be like like a dumpster fire or something else. So it's, he's very like kind of outspoken on like what he th thinks uh, about like different aspects of like the the film and television industry out there. Uh, so he, he's definitely a good follow there if you haven't checked him out. Uh, but they're they're two of the more prolific. Uh, Mexican heritage uh, animation uh, directors and filmmakers. Uh, so they, uh, they there uh, introduced that this year. So it was pretty cool. They had more than 250 Mexican animators and producers uh, descended on Annecy with nine programs scheduled for that. Uh, he also, uh, Jorge R. Gutierrez also does the, the Netflix series Maya and the Three. Uh, it's won four Emmys for that and an Annie. Uh, now, have you have you guys uh, checked any of that out, or um, what do you think about that? I have not, but I'm Me will. Either. I'm writing it down so I remember. Yeah. 
Yeah. If if you liked uh, Book of Life, the animation style for it's very similar, isn't it? Yeah, Maya and the Three is yeah, it's very similar to that. So if you, if you enjoyed that, you you'll definitely enjoy uh, that series as well too. But yeah, that's it's it's pretty cool there, especially with uh, Guillermo del Toro. Uh, last week at the the fan fusion panel, it was kind of based around his quote of animation is cinema and like all of that. So it's good to see him um, pushing that even more forward with uh, different filmmakers as well, too. So uh, to, to segue from that, I will hand it off to Stanford, who has another bit of news. Yeah, so uh, from, as just you say, Mark, at the NSC uh, Film Festival, during the opening ceremony, uh, some folks from Walt Disney Animation Studios were there, and they showed uh a brand new animated short that is going to be put in front of uh, Disney Animation's upcoming film Wish this Thanksgiving. This short is called Once Upon a Studio, and it celebrates the 100th anniversary of Walt Disney Company, which is going on, of course, this year. And uh, the plot, as 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 uh, reported, is this Mickey Mouse trying to get together as many different Disney characters. Uh, for a group photo in front of the Roy E. Disney Animation Building, it's the you know the, the quote unquote hat building there on the building oh, yeah. lot, and uh, what it's saying is the short's about nine minutes long, features over four hundred characters, uh, and the characters are a combination of hand drawn, CG animation, and live action, and of course you know you probably can expect a lot of mayhem, right, and comedy and whatnot. Uh, it sounds like a fun idea and a cool way to celebrate the 100th anniversary uh, of the Disney Studios. So, um, 40 voice actors were brought in for the short. Um, one of them was Josh Gad, who is, you know, he tweeted about it, confirmed that Olaf is going to be in the short. And also, I'll just read his quote because it's pretty cool. Um, Josh said on Twitter, so excited to finally have the world see what Disney Animation has created to celebrate the incredible 100-year legacy of the studio. I nearly cried when I was told that Olaf would appear alongside the genie, utilizing previously unheard audio from my I.L. Robin Williams. So um, that sounds pretty cool, I think. And then also, the short includes um, a cameo uh, that features uh, Bernie Mattinson, who nice. recently died. Um, but you know he was he was there for 70 years, <laughs> longest, longest running, uh, you know, employee, employee of the studio. Uh, Once Upon a Studio is directed by Dan Abraham and Trent Corey. And then um, Eric Goldberg uh, supervised the hand-drawn animation for it. And Andrew Feliciano supervised the CG animation for it. So anyway, as, as I mentioned, it's going to be playing in front of Wish and... Maybe if Wish isn't great, this short sounds like it's going to be great. <laughs> so <laughs> we'll see. But I, you know, I'm stoked about it. Yeah, it's, it sounds pretty cool. I I saw that he also had a post. That Josh Gad also had a post that he's like, obviously, the estate of Ron Williams okayed them using the audio for it. Yeah, I know. Like Ron Williams is actually one of the, specifically one of the actors that had like a clause in like i believe either in his will or like in contracts that like like they couldn't 
basically like they couldn't like Tupac hologram him into stuff. Yeah. Um, similar to like, you know, like how like uh, Christopher Reeves has had like been like in a, a commercial post his death, like walking around and stuff. Um, so basically he kind of had something like in, in his like contracts and stuff that like you couldn't do that. So I guess at least with this, it's, it's at least like unused genie dialogue. That's also probably the unused genie dialogue. That's still family friendly. Um, <laughs> right. They that can be for it. That, that, yeah. That like his, his, his wife and his daughter Zelda. Okay. Um, cool. Probably. Okay. At it. Uh, but yeah, that, that sounds pretty cool. Like, what, what do you think about that, the Michael? Uh, I think that's really interesting. And I was a little uh, intrigued by the fact that they use unused audio from him, but the fact that his estate did clear it, um, I guess, makes me fine with it. Because if his family's fine with it, then uh, what right do I really have to be upset with it, I guess? But yeah. uh, I think that's really cool. And it's a really interesting way to... Uh, bring uh bring genie back definitely uh and i think they said the the short was gonna be like nine minutes or something yeah like nine that. minutes oh. is what's it's what was reported yeah so it should be interesting to, to see how restless little kids get um that are going <laughs> yeah. to see wish but... that's true or maybe they'll hopefully uh it'll they'll be so entranced right it'll yeah you know, i guess we'll see but uh, going from there, the the next uh, bit of news that we had, uh, still speaking on Disney a little bit, and content that would be on Disney Plus or possibly not. Uh, so, like recently, like in a not the last episode of the episode before that, kind of talked about like Willow, uh, Mighty Ducks, Game Changers, among a whole bunch of other like Disney Plus original content. World according to Jeff Goldblum, but basically a lot of stuff that was like added on there, like the same day uh, Disney Plus launched. Yeah, in of... 2019, right? Yeah, basically anything that wasn't uh, Star Wars content or Marvel Studios content was more or less removed off of there around May 31st or so. They also took some stuff off of Hulu there as well, too. Uh, so like shows like Future Man, um, uh, The Runaways, and, and a few others were taken off of that, too. And then it was just basically recently uh, or people were able to see that they were able to get a 1.5 billion content write-off charge in June uh, after pulling all of that stuff off of the streaming service. So, yay. Uh, the Like what I said last time with this, the thing that like kind of sucks about that is that now it's just like purely not available whatsoever whereas like when they would put stuff in the disney vault you'd at least have like whatever period of time it may be to go out grab whatever that movie or tv show was add it to your collection and then when it did get put in the vault all right at least if if you wanted the movie bad enough or if like you really had to have it you were able to have that period of time that you were able to go out buy Aladdin or whatever and then put it on your, your shelf. Whereas like if you really liked the, the TV series for Willow or the Mighty Ducks Game Changers on there and you want to go and watch it again right now uh, you're going to have to find uh, less than uh, I guess 
um, maybe some, you know, like where, uh, where Vanellope kind of ended up yeah. in different, so different parts yeah. of Ralph Breaks the Internet. The, you're going to have dark to, web. <laughs> yeah, you're going to have to like show up in those spots of the internet uh, to try to find some of these shows. Like where like Willow wasn't even on there for six months. I had like two episodes left to watch when it got removed off of there because I mean I wasn't able to watch it right away when it got released. So that's that's the thing too with like a lot of at least for me with a lot of the Star Wars shows or like the Marvel shows that are on there that I'd like to have them on my shelf so that like I don't have to rely on an internet connection to be able to watch them if I want to or should they edit it for whatever reason that, that was like a whole big thing this past week with uh, uh with the film the french connection on the criterion channel streaming service as, as well as i think it was on hulu possibly where they like uh, edited part of the film and then like now if you go try to find the blu-ray on amazon it's out of stock just because everybody bought bought that up after that so they could watch the original unedited version of the movie so I think with stuff like this, it just shows like a lot more importance to uh, physical media. I know like not everybody is for physical media. Not everybody has space for physical media, uh, but it, it may end up becoming more of like at least kind of like a boutique or uh, like niche market. Like with the way that like Mondo or like Criterion or like uh, like arrow film like they do like those really nice kind of uh sets for like blu-rays or dvds of of movies or 4k releases i think that'll probably end up being like that same way in the future for some of this stuff um but i also have seen that there's possibly going to be like another 20 or so more shows that get taken off of disney plus that they uh filed for that which seems counterintuitive too because then that makes your streaming service less desirable because it has less things to watch on it at that point. So it feels like that makes it not as much of as like a thing that people would want to have. Cause there's not as, you know what I mean? Uh, so what do you guys think about that? I'll go with Michael first and then Stanford. Uh, I hate it. <laughs> it's yeah. Like you've said, there's just going to be no legal way to, watch these things in the future and it's really disappointing especially because these were original programs and movies that were made for these services and if you take those off it's they're not going to be in syndication anywhere because they're legally not allowed to make any money off of them anymore because they took those tax breaks and yeah it's it's removing stuff that people work dozens or hundreds of people worked on um, and their work is now just gone and there's nowhere for anyone to go and watch it unless they really, really want to find it somewhere. Yeah. How about you, Stanford? Well, it's not good, you know, and I think part of it why I don't, why I don't feel good because it's just made a lot of my friends really mad. I, I'm not necessarily, I, I mean, I'm not happy about it. Frankly, like I'm never gonna go out and watch an ep- another episode of the world of coding according to Jeff Goldblum or whatever, you know. Uh, but still, uh, others might want to, you know. I know one one of my friends in particular was super pissed that Timmy Failure 
mistakes were making if that's the or mistakes were made if that's the proper title is gone and maybe never to be seen again yeah but i also think i mean and, and i want i guess the main thing that i'm mad most about at disney is that they didn't just communicate it better i mean they said that they were going to pull some stuff off and then it it was the internet that sp- spread you know spread it all rather than Someone at Disney like give and then maybe they didn't feel they needed to or that they didn't want to, yeah. but, but to you know put out a list and also say what it what the future is like. Is there an opportunity to you know if someone really wants to watch Timmy Failure again in the future, will it be put on the surface again? Are they going to make it available for rent or to buy? They're going to put yeah. it out on you know uh, on YouTube or something where you can rent or buy it. Um, I found a lot of these vintage mo- Disney movies that I've been watching for my Disney Watch project this year. Uh, you can rent them on YouTube for four bucks, and you can also buy them if you want an electronic copy. But again, as you've said so eloquently, Mark, you're leasing, you know, yeah. long term <laughs> leasing. It's a long term lease. Buy a digital copy. Yeah, when you're doing that. So, but being able to rent it and being able to watch it again, you know, for four bucks is not. The best, but it's not the worst either. If you're really trying to find it, but anyway, um, I, I I'm going on and on too long probably about this. But just one, you know, one other point though is that uh, it's sure not breeding goodwill. You know, at a time when Disney, I think, could use some good press. <laughs> I think it's made yeah. it's made people more angry than anything. Yeah, and. The- the the one other thing related with this uh, before we move on to the next thing is that like this is part of like more or less like it's not the defining reason because AI is part of that too but the like it's one of the sticking points of like the writer strike going on right now yeah is, really good point yeah and like we've kind of been making fun of the the name change for HBO Max but the whole reason they did the name change for that um, at least like there's um, kind of, I don't want to like report it as fact, but there's like some hearsay going around that the whole reason that the the name change for it was that HBO Max was considered like a cable network. Uh, so like when stuff aired on that or people played stuff on that, uh, there would be royalties and residuals paid for stuff on that. Whereas Max is just consider is considered as a straight streaming service so anytime those same shows play on that those same royalties or residuals aren't paid out because it's now considered a streaming service rather than a network so i thought that was kind of interesting and that also seems maybe why like the actual word hbo was taken out of it too so it's yeah. like this whole entire thing and it it's still weird to even call it max because that, that's like a weird name that's it's a dumb name <laughs> yeah it is it's just like yeah that's like i saw someone say it was like taking it was like um like t- taking the like if you did that with like say like pixar animation studios and you just dropped the word pixar from it and just had it called animation studios it would like kind of be like the same kind of thing meaningless but, yeah so I don't know. It's I, I guess it's a reality, right? But, yeah, and like they kind of like 
speaking of HBO Max, like they're they're kind of the ones that like started this whole thing too. With like Zaslav did it first. Yeah. With like you know we had the the Batgirl film. Uh, right. That unless unless you work at Warner Brothers or somewhere on the lot, you'll never like will never see that movie. Um, and then like all of the animated TV series on there. But the only difference with them is that at least some of their original content you can purchase. Right. Uh, digital well long-term lease uh yeah. digital copies of on like itunes or like they did do some dvd releases for like if, so if you really really want to watch an american pickle you can go buy the dvd for that or, <laughs> or the or the digital copy of it so well one more thing at least, there's at least opportunities and they're there if yeah. you want to watch them. yeah just one more thing and i'm not trying to defend disney plus but i was happy that they put some uh additional movies on that were not necessarily Disney. Uh, you know, aren't all this, the uh, Tom Holland Spider-Man movies now on Disney oh, yeah. Plus? Yeah, that is part of like the... like that I mean, you know, it's it's... part of Marvel Studios has got a finger in there, but it's Sony, right? And then... Yeah, I know they had signed like a deal with Sony. Uh, I don't remember. I think it was like last year or something like that, where like some of the other countries were getting those films first. Um, just because, like, with how all yeah. the studio stuff works with different countries and whatnot, um, but I think I think by the end of this month or by the end of July, uh, all of that stuff should be on there outside of No Way Home because I think that still has like a period of time. It has where a period of time, it's, right? Where it's uh... yeah, it's like that weird stuff, like again, where like certain deals were signed in a place with Fox before Disney bought yep. us. So that's why, like. The way of waters on Max right now and Disney Plus. So if you, if you have either or, you could watch yeah watch it in either place right now from a um, previous yeah contract. And yeah. also, I mean, I know Lucasfilm of course is in the Disney family, but I think it's cool that all four Indiana Jones movies are on Disney yeah. Plus right now. And and the Young Indiana Jones Adventures. Yeah, and, uh, which is kind of rare, right? I mean, that's not yeah. uh, anyway, but still. Yeah. So I mean, there's plus pluses and minuses to it because especially because like the Young Indiana Jones adventures, the DVDs for those have been like out of print for oh for years and years now. Years, so, yeah. I doubt we'll ever get a Blu-ray release now of them, but no. <laughs> maybe through Disney Movie Club because like that's how a lot of yeah how I had to get like the Mighty Ducks trilogy, which is I'm not going to go on a whole tangent, but which is weird that Heavyweights got a specific Blu-ray release. From the same creator, like creative team with that, had all these good bonus features on there. But like the film that they had a NHL team that they owned for years with the same name on it, they just stuck as like a like Disney Movie Club exclusive kind of Blu-ray on there. Like bare bones Blu-rays, like just the movie, no commentaries with any of anybody. Yeah. Which it could have been at least the Stephen Brill that they had on the heavyweights one too. So I don't know. Yeah. Um, but which they did just release uh, yesterday. They did a good documentary on once upon a time in Anaheim, which is like the, the whole story of the uh, muddy ducks real life hockey team and how that came to fruition. And they even got Michael Eisner back for that, oh, that wow. documentary that ESPN oh, wow. did. So uh, that's on ESPN plus right now that's not technically my recommendation but it is kind of my recommendation too and and uh they got 
uh, Sean Weiss in there is, uh, is doing some like talking heads in there. Margaret Moreau is in there not talking about the films too. So it's interesting. Although they did use some like B-roll shots in there where it says 1993 Disneyland. And it's a shot, a POV shot from the Incredicoaster, which... Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, that, was a, that was a parking lot in Isn't 1993. Still in, yeah, in 93. And it, and it was like... At least if you're gonna do that, at least make it like California screaming. But no, it's <laughs> it's it's like current current day <laughs> DCA. Um, yeah. So the the next thing from there, I will hand off to Michael for this next next news segment. All right. Uh, this next piece of news is pretty exciting. Reportedly, the Legend of Zelda is being adapted for the big screen. Uh, so. Hollywood insider Jeff Snyder is reporting that Universal Pictures is close to closing a deal with Nintendo um, to have Illumination create a new animated film for The Legend of Zelda. And they, of course, did the uh, Super Mario Brothers movie, which did okay, you know, making a billion dollars worldwide. A billion dollars. (laughs) Yeah, and uh, because of the success of that one, uh, supposedly it's going to cost Universal a pretty penny, but I'm sure that they are going to be willing to pay it because I feel like outside of Mario, The Legends of Zelda definitely has the biggest franchise potential because uh, that is there's over oh, yeah. 20 games in that video game franchise, and there's like a whole weird thing with the canon um, and like different timelines. But yeah, there's a lot of potential for endless things to be made with that um like what starting point they choose whether that's like the new breath of the wild tears of the kingdom games that are really successful or they go a different route with one of the other like dozen storylines and styles um yeah that's surely going to be something massive for universal uh but what do you guys think about that uh, we have a animation fascination exclusive. Chris Pratt will be the voice of Link in the game, <laughs> as as well as Zelda. So, no, I'm I'm just joking. Nice. Uh, but yeah, this I think this could be a really cool a cool film. Like depending on what they they do for like the visual like style like styling of it too. Um, if they try to go like somewhat like different. Um, maybe like more like in the vein of uh, like Paper Man, like like that, or like what we've kind of because that kind of is kind of like the style that like the the more recent games have been is kind of like that. Not not to be confused with like uh, like the young paper like cutout looking Link uh, style, but I definitely think they could do like a cool like action adventure like film with that or like maybe like in the same tone as like the recent like Dungeons and Dragons movie you could maybe do it like that too um so yeah there definitely is plenty of opportunities there for it and I I know at least uh, one of my cousins would be will be super excited for that because the the way that he proposed to his wife was like he he basically modded the original Legend of Zelda game uh for the it's uh it's like the it's I'm safe to go alone. Take this, and then I, he changed it. So it said that his wife's name. Will you marry me in it? And so and it hands uh-huh. her, her ring in there. Um, so I, I'm wow. sure they, they will be excited about. It. What, what do you think, Stanford? 
Well, I think it's a no-brainer, you know, uh, particularly with kind of this great relationship going on now with Nintendo and Universal and uh, and then just the success of the Super Mario Brothers movie. I think, I think what's going to really be tricky is making the Zelda fans happy with the film. I sure wouldn't yeah. want to be on the project. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's got such a devoted fan base, you know? So yeah. many people are so passionate about it. And they, and I think that the game developers are doing a pretty good job. It sounds like it's. I, I haven't played this new new one, but it sounds like it's fantastic, right? I, I don't know if yeah. you guys have, have played it yet, but anyway, good for them. And I hope I hope that I you know I, I wish them success and happiness, and as well as the, you know it's going to work out for the fans too. Definitely. Whenever it comes to be, yeah. So we'll definitely keep um, checking that out and see what may come from that. Uh, and then the last uh, bit of news before we get into the trailers um, and another news bit related to Annecy uh, is Sony unveiled a first look at a Spider-Verse short film, uh, which is tackling mental health issues and showing Miles Morales suffering an anxiety crisis, which, I th- again, I think this this is really cool that mental health is becoming more and more of like a highlighted thing throughout like popular media. Whether that's like uh, through shows that I kn- I know the three of us like like Ted Lasso or uh, like Shrinking or there, there's a lot more shows that are basically taking on and um, speaking on mental health. Like even we'll get into it later, but like I like that Miles even brings up like a like a line in Across Spider Verse. He's like, "Men of your age don't usually take care of their <laughs> mental health." It should be t- we need to talk yeah. about it so i i liked that in yeah. there too and i, I liked that like it, it was a joke but it was also being serious about it too so i liked yeah how that was handled in there so this i'm looking forward i'm, I'm almost kind of bummed that, like that they didn't release this as like a short in front of across the spider verse i almost yeah. wonder if like because i'm not seeing uh it did de- debut there today um, but I'm not seeing like any details of like a wider release. Um, I think it could be something where it's like either like on like the, like the physical, like Blu-ray or 4k set that comes out like later this year, or maybe they put it as like a short film in front of beyond the spider verse. Um, I think either of those could work. It could be interesting to do that. Um, what do, what do you guys think about this? Cause they didn't really release any other details other than like in like a, post-pandemic world, which is kind of a still weird phrasing, because I don't really think it's technically post-pandemic yet. I mean, a lot of people want to yeah. think it's post-pandemic, uh, but with, like, how much more mental health has become, like, a highlighted topic throughout different, like, popular media. Uh, go with Stanford and then Michael. I think that anytime they want to do an animated short, uh, with this IP, they, yes, please. You know, just like they, <laughs> they, they could crank one out once a month, and I'd be thrilled. You know, um, yeah. I, and so I'm with you, Mark. Who knows when they, how they're going to release it? If they have a strategy or what? But if, if, if at least there's one, and I'm glad that they're tackling, you know, important issues, and and let's just have more of that incredible animation style. <laughs> you know, yeah. I'm all, I'm all for it. How about you, Mike? Yeah, I think it's great. Um, besides just uh, being on the same page as Stanford, just wanting to see 
as much of this animation style as often as possible. Uh, I think it's a great topic, especially because now, you know, kids are going through a whole lot. Mental health is, like you said, a huge thing that's touched upon now. And so on top of the struggles that Peter Parker had, um, you know, Miles is going through all that. And it's not a surprise that, you know, a 15-year-old experiencing all this would be facing a lot of anxiety yeah. and, uh, you know, being able to, whether it's like diagnose or self-diagnose, whatever it is, uh, having that be such a focus of, you know, trying to balance his school and his personal life and everything. Uh, yeah, and like they kind of touch on that a little bit in, in the movie too, I think a little, uh, but just with like how, how like it kind of seems like he's like dealing with uh, trying to find his friends there too. Um, but again, like it, just from like the photo that they released from this, it looks like it, like a very uh, coolly lit uh, kind of film in here. And it, almost, it kind of gives me like the vibe of um, like they didn't really like put a hat on it in Tobey Maguire Spider-Man 2, but he's kind of, doing dealing with similar kind of issues in in that movie so yeah uh it's it's i mean spider-man could be used as as a, as a character to kind of highlight like mental health issues and like stuff like that so i think i think doing it with this is definitely a good good way to go about it um and i'm, I'm excited to see what other things they can do with this because i liked how they did the uh, the the like Spider Ham short on the the Blu-ray uh, when the first movie came out. So like Sanford was saying, I, I think they could do this thing where they like, even if they wanted to, they could just do like a whole bunch of like shorts where where it's just like the different different Spider characters from the different universes like they kind of do that in the movies where it's like this tiny little contained short film it's like we're like all right let's do this one last time but you could make like a bunch of like five to ten minute short films that are just about specific characters and like giving them backstory through like 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 spider woman or uh whoever like uh spider punk whatever else if you, you wanted to do that. I think that could be like a cool experiment. And just because all of them kind of have like their own animation style too, that would be like another way to kind of experiment with like how to animate all of these different characters in those different like visual representations that I think could be like a, a cool thing to, to check out. But that will do it for our news stories. And the next uh, bit of news that we have is going to be uh, trailers that we're going to be talking about. Uh, so we'll get into those now. Um, I will bring this up really quick. Uh, now, so the, the next thing is for Justice League War World. Say that five times fast. I, I had a I had a slow way down so that I knew that I didn't uh, mess it up there. Uh, but have you have you guys seen any of the like the new continuity of like the like the DC animated films that they've been doing over like the past year or so? I'm not. No, not with the new continuity. Other than Mark, I mean, you know, I feel a little informed because you you 
teach me. <laughs> you, talk, you talk about them, but uh, no, I, I have not. So the the one that kind of like restarted it off was uh, was a Superman animated film. I'm trying. To, I'm gonna make sure that I get that. That Darren Chris was the the voice of uh, Superman and and Clark Kent in that. For oh yeah, see and actually, uh, I think yeah, Superman, I, Man of Tomorrow. I have seen that one. Okay. Yeah. What did you What did you think of that? Well, it took you talking about it to make me remember. So I don't think it made, <laughs> sorry, I don't think it made much of an impression. I don't think it's. I don't remember hating it. I don't. I don't remember lo- loving it either. Now, did we watch it? Did we review it, Mark? I don't know if we. Uh, I th- I think I did a, a review of the, the yeah, Blu-ray for it. And, and I think that and anyway, did I watch it on? You know, on the on the streaming service formerly known as HBO Max. I don't know if I if I did or not. Anyway, I, I mean, it wasn't terrible, but but I I, I also don't feel like I'm the one that that I, you know I'm, I I shouldn't offer oh, no opinion, I shouldn't offer an opinion on it because I'm I'm uninformed. No worries. Uh, so yeah, like the like with these, the, I I kind of said this to you guys too off off mic before. Uh, we started talking about this, but like uh, another thing that they've been doing with this too, is that they've uh, with these, they've been doing like the spines where, where they try to get the, like the art to match up on the side of them. So, and they've kind of screwed that up a few times already now. So uh, right now I'm gonna I'm gonna play the trailer so you guys can kind of see it here in the, the background, uh, but I've liked what they've been doing with the animation style on these too, is because they've been doing them in this this way in such a way that it's uh, like this it's like these thicker like lines uh, on the characters that I th- that I think is very interesting how they've been doing that because they they did that with the the more like with the first one of like the Darren Chris uh, film there. And they've continued doing that with all of these since then. And what do you, what do you guys think about like the animation style for this? Just going off of what you can see here on there. Yeah. I think it looks good. Yeah. Um, I do too. Yeah. The, the thicker lines was one of the first things I noticed when I, when the trailer started going, Yeah, like this one also seems like kind of like an Elseworlds type of story too. Uh, so like we have like like this like Clark Kent that's kind of like on this like noir type planet, and then Wonder Woman's like kind of on this like Savage Lands type of planet, uh, and then Batman looks like he's like on a almost on like a what do you call it? like a Mad Max kind of or almost like a Mortal Kombat type of. <laughs> That's at least for for like what the cover looks like. They like because they show like the alternate like costumes for for some of them. Like here on like this Batman, right? So we had this is three heroes. So they had almost like a. I believe Jonah Hex is in the the one with Wonder Woman too. Um, yeah, and then yeah, like yeah, there's like this, <laughs> like this Batman. <laughs> like I don't know. That's <laughs> just like a 
that's true. Gladiator Batman or whatever that. Uh, you yeah. know, one thing, Mark, that I that I think is probably a good move for on Warner Brothers too on, on these. Um, you know, it's rated R. I mean, it's yeah. just for it's just for a more mature audience, and I think that that's smart that they're not just trying to make these all uh, necessary family friendly, and 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 you know they're not trying to hide it either. It's, it's, right. it's, it's, it's very obvious. You know, you can make an informed parents can make an informed decision. You know about about these if they're going to sh- show it to their kids, and then hopefully, you know, the adult audiences are going to enjoy it. You know, it's because of what they're looking for. So, right. Yeah, uh, and this seems like it, it could be like an interesting uh, film that they're putting out. It's supposed to uh, be coming out pretty soon. The exact release date was, let me check that again. Yeah, did they have a release date on it, Mark? Because that's always a challenge I, I found with those Warner Brothers DC releases is that the, the, seems like the release date sometimes are squishy. Yeah, but this, it looks like it will... I do not see it for it. Uh, I do like that at the at the uh, end of a lot of these that they've been like now recommending what comics you should be reading if you're going to check this out. That will kind of go in the same idea or like story path as as the movie that you're about to watch. So I like that they've been doing that with with those, um, and then. So I think I think it's coming out in August or July. It, just, it doesn't have a date on there, so we'll have to to wait to to see when that is, whenever that that may be for it. So the the next one is going to be for the new uh, Ninja Turtles animated film that's going to be coming out, which. Again, I think is gonna is partly kind of influenced by what we've we've already seen, like with uh, across Spider-Verse and into the Spider-Verse, where it's like this more like visual uh, kind of style to it. And the one of the things that I because I'm awesome. I just Boy, saw first, like first. I don't want to wait for the, the joke real quick. Look, we're really sorry, Savannah. Some of the guys wanted to get pizza, and I tried to talk them out of it. You ratted us out. Don't use that word that way. Like, I I just saw this version of the trailer when I saw uh, Little Mermaid with my, my wife yesterday, and... <laughs> And that that joke made me laugh really a lot. <laughs> so I before I, I play the rest of this, like already, like what do you guys think of like the visual style for uh, this new variation of like the, the Ninja Turtles that's going to be coming out later this year in August? Uh, I think it's I think it's perfect for the Ninja Turtles because uh, you know they had like darker comic book roots and they took on like a more childish persona with the with the cartoons and everything and so even though this is still like very much kid friendly it takes on that grittiness in like a whimsical way that uh i think is so refreshing and even though it's like very much influenced by 
the Spider-Verse movies, it's still got its own like things on top of that then still make it look unique and not just like a cookie cutter copy of what they did there. Yeah. How about, how about you, Stanford? I love it. You know, I, I remember the first Ninja Turtles movie that came out where they were those puppet things. I mean, you know, like those. Oh yeah. The, the Henson. The, yeah. The, the you know, actors in the actors in costume with these articulated heads and that sucked. I thought it looked horrible <laughs> and just stupid, you know? Uh, um, and so something like this, I think just it's a perfect medium for it. I mean, they're Ninja Turtles. Yeah. What in the world, you know? But here they, they, they you know, it, it, it works. And the animation, I think, looks really appealing. I'm really looking forward to seeing seeing this movie. Yeah. Uh, and we talked about Mighty Ducks Game Changers a little earlier. But uh, Raphael is, is voiced by... Um, I want to make sure I get the kid's name right. He was the he was the main character on Game Changers. We played Evan on the show, uh, but he's doing the voice of of Raphael in this. Hold on. Uh, the other thing I thought was funny is that this is the the second time that Seth Rogen and Jackie Chan have done a voice in a film together with uh, <laughs> involving martial arts of some kind. Uh, the kid's name is uh, Brady Noon, uh, who played Evan on Mighty Ducks Game Changers. But uh, again, here too, I like that they got like a bunch of like actual teenage kids to do the voices of the teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I think they've done a really nice job. I read today they showed it at Annecy. Yeah. Oh, yeah, like a work in progress. Print. A work in progress print, and the crowd was very enthusiastic about it. It sounded like at least wow. that was the report I read. So nice. Anyway, good for them. Let's hope it looks looks very promising. I like the the phrasing there too of from permanent teenager Seth Rogen. Uh, yeah, <laughs> perfect. Also, like good. love, like all of the Ninja Turtles like like rogues gallery of characters that they have in this too between like Superfly. Oh yeah, like like sequences like this too, where it's like this like nice. <laughs> kind of just like call back to like certain things it's like look at this though is that keenan i think it's ice cube oh yeah that is ice cube yeah Uh, yeah, like shots like that with the jumping from the moon, and then like that shot, which is just straight up like the comic book cover. Yeah, from, like one of the first issues, which I think yeah. is awesome that they did that. I do, yeah, I do too. My son, Michael Angelo, you have heart. 
You have wisdom. Raphael, you have bravery. And Leonardo, honor. I, I almost wanted uh, Splinter here to be like, Michelangelo, you like, you like to party. <laughs> Donatello, you do machines. <laughs> Raphael, you're cool but crude. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, I like like some of these shots. It's like the same way that like Into the Spider Verse had like every single like frame of that could have been like its own work of like art. It seems like almost every frame of of this could also just be like its own like just piece of art that you would just frame that and put it up on your wall. Yeah. And that a freaking cast. Yeah, great cast. And it also looks like they just got the tone right. And I think frankly too that animation helps with that a lot. Yeah. You know, just to, to be able to I mean not that it needs to be just like the comic book but but that i thought that's what was missing about that puppet version that i was ripping on i mean they tried but i just didn't think that that was successful at least you know to, to my eyes uh, yeah but this one looks this one looks terrific so from there the the next thing that we're gonna just talk about really quick before we get into our main review i'll just give our recommendations really quick uh mine uh is for a a recent thing like if you've probably seen these before on the the channel for Wired, uh, uh, like where they answer questions about different stuff from like the internet. Uh, recently, Gennady Tartakovsky did one where he answered animation questions from Twitter. It's about a it's like sixteen minutes long. Uh, it's it's a really cool video, especially if like you're a fan. Uh, of animation there's like these whole sequences about like smoother fluid animation <laughs> there's a small sequence about naked cartoon characters <laughs> uh, voice actors uh, repurposing animation pr like principles of animation uh, kind of like how you make characters blink and like how often you should be doing that like rigging for animation uh, then he talks about Hotel Transylvania for quite a bit talks about uh, his Clone Wars micro series uh, who framed Roger Rabbit, uh, Dexter's Laboratory, uh, and then just like storyboards and like a few other things. So, like if you're if you're a fan of Gennady Tarkovsky and uh, like some of the other like things that he's done, like whether it's like Samurai Jack or uh, anything that we, I just kind of named off there, then definitely worth checking out. Especially if you're just a fan of animation too, because he does like a good job of breaking down kind of like the different steps and like sequences of like what has to be done within the animation production uh, kind of assembly line. So it, it's definitely worth checking out. But the, I will I'll hand it over to Stanford for his recommendation. You know, I'm watching 100 Disney movies this year that I picked. 100 of my favorites for the Disney 100 uh, commemoration, which has been a fun just a fun movie project for me. And I, I'm in the eighties right now, you know, the 1980s and uh, just finished watching uh, Tron, the OG Tron from 1982. And that's such a cool movie. I mean, I, you know, I've seen it a bunch of times, but I was just reminded how 
how groundbreaking it was at the time, but also just how cool it is. I mean, I know it's not everybody's taste, but uh, I, I had a blast watching it and was just so impressed with the uh, uh, the computer animation that, that, that they used that was so groundbreaking at the time, and I think it still looks really good. Uh, you know, I mean, it's definitely a period piece, but uh, anyway, I had a blast. So, so uh, yeah, would highly recommend rewatching Tron if you haven't seen it for a while. And I would recommend to people to check out the episode on prop uh, culture on Disney oh, Plus about, about Tron. But, but wait, <laughs> oh, it's not that, on Disney Plus that anymore. That was cool. So that you can't culture? watch it. Yeah, it's that's gone? not on the pop yep. culture. Got, pop no, culture got I didn't watch it. Oh, no, Michael, yeah. I love that show. You're, you're going to have to find uh, Vanellope and she'll show you where on the yeah, dark web that you can dark watch web. the rest of the episodes. Oh, no. I'm also yeah. bummed because I wish that show got like more seasons I know, and I episodes. They, they could have kept going. Yeah, they could have oh, done man. a special for Disney's 100th anniversary. That Tron episode. I mean, every one of the every one of those episodes were great. And that was that was the first thing that actually got Rick Moranis back on yeah. screen for something I was too. Gonna say that Honey, I Shrunk the Kids episode was amazing. Yeah. Yeah, like even like the Chronicles of Narnia episode is like really good in there too. Like I wanted them to do a Mighty Ducks episode too. Yes, stuff like that. There's, there's like all of these episodes. They have so much stuff they could do. Like the Nightmare for Christmas episode was great on there. Um, the Mary Poppins stuff that it like that amazing. I I always describe that show as like if if you're a fan of of like I guess like American Pickers or. Um, pawn stars but you wanted them to just be purely disney related content that's what prop culture basically is formatted yeah. to be like kind of sort of but not really but yeah prop culture you can't watch it in disney plus uh but you can watch it somewhere probably probably somewhere <laughs> and maybe someday it will come back but who knows yeah uh but then what, what would you like to recommend michael uh, I'm going to go in theme with uh, today's episode and say the new season of Clone High on Max. Um, nice. And I, by that, I mean HBO Max. Uh, <laughs> you thought I was talking about a person. But yeah, because uh, it's Phil Lord and Chris Miller through the original. Um, and yeah, the new season, I'm not, I don't think I'm fully caught up with the new season, but I have been watching it and it's been pretty good. Nice. Hey, I have good. to I have to watch that. I I did watch another uh, Lord and Miller uh, show that did have animation in it because uh, I finally just watched the first season of the After Party, uh, and that was really good. I liked that, and there was a whole animated episode, which I didn't think really helped the whole thing about animation not being a genre, because each episode in that was like a different kind of film genre, and then there was an episode oh, yeah. that was animated. I was like. I know that they're not like, but it doesn't help the argument. <laughs> um, but I, I, the animation style for that was was very close to kind of like Clone High, like the same kind of like visual representation for it, uh, and it had um, some people that you might have heard like their voices in different things. Like specifically, I liked seeing like TSC Car in that as as one of the the actors, um, but. I did see in season two of that there's gonna be like a like a Wes Anderson esque like <laughs> episode. So nice. 
I guess they're kind of moving outside of like the genres and kind of more into like, I guess, vibes of films or stuff. Because there's like a film noir in there, one in that in that season too. It looks like, but so that's gonna do it for our recommendations, and we will now uh, begin our review for Spider-Man across the Spider-Verse. Uh, I'm gonna play a little bit of the the trailer. Uh, the last trailer that they put out for Across the Spider-Verse um, just before we get to talk about it. So here it is. My name is Miles Morales. I'm Brooklyn's one and only Spider-Man. And things are going great. Here, any minute. Should be simple enough. Give me your money. So are you like a cow or a Dalmatian? Ha, Spider-Man! I am... Spot. <laughs> it's not funny. Don't don't do that. There's bubbles now. Hold on. I don't think I want this costume anymore. <laughs> All right. So uh, this week uh, we're going to be talking about across the Spider Verse. Uh, so for this, um, this one now, before we like really get into, I guess I'll give each, each of us like a thing to kind of give our overall thoughts for it before we get into the deeper part of the review. So starting with Michael, then Stanford, and then I'll go, go last here. I absolutely loved this movie. Uh, the first one is one of my all-time favorite movies. Uh, I'm a big superhero fan. I do love superhero movies, but the first Spider-Verse is the only superhero movie that's in my top ten of all time uh, because of how unique and special it is. And I was so happy to see uh, that they were able to somehow catch lightning in the bottle twice with this. Uh, not only with uh, just going... 10 times harder with all the different animation styles and being somehow even more visually impressive, but also with the story and again, just creating something that is perfect for Spider-Man and something that, you know, really hasn't been tackled before uh, story-wise for him, at least in a, uh, like a, story not story media but like you know like movies or shows um right. and yeah it was it was absolutely incredible um even though it is kind of a a part one i still felt like it was a pretty good uh movie on its own uh regardless of that and i am so excited to see where they go with it nice how about, how about you stanford you know next level i thought the animation was you know, I just couldn't get enough of it as we were talking about with, you know, with this short uh, that, you know, that you mentioned earlier in the news. I thought this movie was, I mean, I just couldn't take my eyes off the screen and I was so happy to that I've seen it twice now and both times the just the projection was excellent. I've heard, when there's some issues with like the sound mix? Did you guys hear, read any stories about that? I'm not yeah, sure. I've heard about that. I'm not sure that that was going on in the theaters that I saw the movie in. Did you? Did I you? didn't have any issues. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't either. I, I didn't either. Uh, I saw in two different, like two different theater locations too. So 
Okay. There was two different chains even too, so it was okay. They both sounded fine. I mean, like the IMAX and yeah. the Dolby Atmos both sounded okay. I I was just really taken. I was really taken with it. I've got some questions for you. More just kind of about story structure, which we can talk about in a bit. But but uh, I was really wowed by this movie. Yeah, I I was a big fan of this movie too. I liked. I I loved the the first movie. I like. I did too. I think it's been I long really enough now. That first movie. Loved it. Yeah, I, was just, I think it's been long enough now that like I can say that like uh, my son and I. Had, had saw like an early version of that that first movie before it came out um and it was just super excited to see like the final version of it when it finally did uh didn't get same thing didn't happen with this one i had, I had to wait like everybody else <laughs> for when it when it came out and like everybody else we had to wait like that extra six months because i remember this was supposed to come out in like october of last year um yeah and then it got yeah i know that was such a bummer that it got pushed i think it was smart that they pushed it yeah, because because when have Beyond then come out this year, right? Had this come oh, out true. in October, and the, yeah, and if like if people play Fortnite, you can kind of see like uh, with how that that delaying kind of disrupted. It seemed like what they were going to do something there because uh, Gwen was available. Yeah, in that like back in October, and because it, it seemed like that was going to be part of a thing they were doing then. But and then like Miles and uh, Miguel didn't get added until like this past like few weeks or so. Uh, so, my, I really, uh, really enjoyed this movie a lot. Um, I think, I think the the first one uh, is, if I had to like choose between uh, the two films, I I think the first movie is, is still uh, my favorite because I I kind of like how um, that one's laid out a little bit differently, and I like. Miles, like really discovering his powers in that, and like coming into his own in that that first movie, um, and seeing a little bit more of like his uh, relationship and kind of like mentorship with uh, Peter B. Parker in that first movie, uh, just because like Peter uh, B. Parker was in this the second film, but but like not as much. So like, I guess we can just get straight into uh, the movie from here, but. Yeah, so the movie uh, came out uh, this past week on June 2nd. The, and then the film was the, uh, directed uh, by Joaquin Dos Santos, Kemp Powers, and Justin K. Thompson. And then it was written by Phil or Chris Miller, and David uh, Callahan. And this, the, the second movie is, is, I think, just as much uh, Gwen's movie as it is uh, Miles's movie because they're they're almost kind of like co-leads with it, within this one because the film like even starts off like uh, I don't want to say prolonged because that makes it seem like that's like like a bad use of prolonged but like and like an extended sequence of like just sticking with Gwen uh, for like this whole kind of basically kind of setting up the whole story um, like we get like this medieval kind of Da Vinci. Uh, times of Leonardo da Vinci, like, uh, like vulture at the beginning where he's like this hand drawn, like parchment paper vulture, uh, that they're fighting in the, the museum there. Uh, so I liked that whole kind of beat up there. And I, the other thing I like about Gwen's universe that they kind of 
that you spend a lot more time in and see a lot more of in this film is just like how her her universe is almost kind of like a mood ring and it's it's very heavily influenced by like the mood of what characters are going through at any given time where you see like like almost every single background behind a character when it cuts back and forth is like changing it changes yeah. every shot between like her her father there's like sometimes there's like this weird like picasso like like expressionist kind of like like shapes and stuff going on behind him i think it's like and i just and i just like how how beautiful like the watercolor kind of showing of that universe is and how well that's done between like transitioning from like her uh universe to like say uh spider-man india's universe which i'm gonna ask michael if, if you still have it because i want to make sure i say it say his name correctly i don't want to mess it up uh yeah pavitra Prabhakar. there you go or like so i just thank changed. you michael yeah. <laughs> you're welcome yeah if people are are watching this on um youtube like i just changed like the background to like uh um, mumbai hatton uh like where he's from and so uh and i liked like the design of his character too like with like yeah. how like heavily influenced like his costume is um like for like the different culture there and whatnot too uh, i didn't even like notice in, this in the movie too but like on like the bottom part of his mask like how the spider web is like only kind of like right there um i just liked like how every every variation of like all the the characters and that have like their own kind of visual style to them uh and i i'd found it too where like uh like with spider punk like they even did like different parts of his animation differently where like his body was done on threes his guitar was done on twos the cutout behind him was done on twos and threes at different points and then like part of it would be static and wouldn't move and then that and then they said they would also just break the rules whenever they wanted to, because that would make sense for Spider <laughs> for Hobie. Um, and I've seen at least with, with the movie, it seems like Miguel as uh, Spider Man twenty ninety nine and Hobie are like kind of like the breakout, like newer uh, characters that are kind of focused on within this, which I think is pretty interesting. And who did you like, or who stood out the most to you? two of like the new kind of uh, Spider-Verse characters that we met in this uh, that weren't in the, the first movie. Well, some of them were kind of technically in the first movie. Um, go with uh, Michael and Stanford. Uh, besides Pavitra, who was great and who had such a, a good vibe of just, uh, oh, another easy adventure for Spider-Man. Oh, yeah. uh, <laughs> ben Riley was a lot of fun andy samberg Um, is yeah that that worked out really well with uh them making him extremely melodramatic uh (laughs) yes absolutely that was great how about you stanford well um maybe just because they introduced her earlier in the film but uh jessica drew was i thought was totally rad uh um yeah, I really and, liked Janelle Monet as her. I thought she did a really yeah. good job. And then, uh, anyway, that was, that was probably, but, but 
I thought they were all cool. I mean, I thought they made really interesting choices, and 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 they all they all worked. But you know, I was pretty I was pretty taken with the motorcycle and just got badass. Um, uh, oh, yeah, yeah, she is. I like how she shoots webbing out of her fingertips rather yeah. than like from the wrists. Like it's kind of a an interesting kind of difference there with with her for that. Uh, and also with her eyes exposed, I thought the animation was very interesting. It was like they were us- using a different kind of technique you know, oh, behind yeah. her goggles. Um, anyway. Yeah. Uh, and I also liked like how they kind of uh, highlighted the like the kind of like the, the portal there for like whenever they were transitioning between uh, different. No, I was going to say galaxies, <laughs> different dimensions in the in the the film. So I thought that was done really well. Um, we do see like a visualization that looks like the sacred timeline from the MCU in there at one point too. That looks like the same kind of branching thing, which I also saw that they actually worked with uh, Marvel Studios like quite a bit, like on like getting like trying to like coalesce their ideas about like Mar- about like multiverses and whatnot. So I thought that was really cool. I liked some of the surprises we got in here too, with like how they did touch on, um, like some even even like the live action universes. So like, uh, like Gwen talking Ripping about Doctor Strange. Oh yeah, yeah. It was like <laughs> yes, yeah, like don't get me started on Doctor Strange and that on that that dweeb of Earth nine nine one nine 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 nine. So I, and I wonder what Kevin Feige thought of that dimensions. Uh, uh, De- designation because he, he keeps saying that the MCU is six one six, but yeah, like with that, um, like like when talking about in, in every universe, Gwen, I like even the phrasing that Gwen falls for for Peter Parker, and, I was, ooh, 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 uh, um, and doesn't end well for for her, uh, and I like them touching on that a bit in, in this. And showing like the different variations of, of Gwen and Peter, like they even have like, and they show like Andrew Garfield and Emma Stone's uh, Peter and, and Gwen in there too. So I liked how they included the live action within all of those universes. That and like they even have spectacular Spider Man in there, Josh Keaton's uh, Spider Man yes. in there, which uh, never happened on the show, but apparently eventually it happened to him and that Gwen too. Uh, so that's kind of a bummer. Uh, <laughs> uh, and then like, so it was cool to, to, to see uh, the spectacular Spider-Man there. I'm hoping that maybe in beyond the Spider-Verse, maybe we'll get the, the Christopher Barnes uh, voiced nineties uh, Spider-Man in that one, which I'm sure we'll, we probably will, but um <laughs> Nice. Speaking of uh, Little Mermaid earlier, he did the voice of Prince Eric in the 1989 animated movie. And when yep. I, when when I realized that, like, that wasn't even until like a few years ago. I was like, wait, Prince Eric is Spider Man. <laughs> like, I didn't realize it was the, the same actor for such a long time. And then I was like, why why does Prince Eric sound like 90s <laughs> Peter Parker? Because, <laughs> but because it is. And who also then did the voice of Prince Charming for one of the straight to DVD Cinderella movies too. So he's both Prince oh, Eric and Prince wow. Charming. Um, but yeah, so like this this movie uh, began. So like the first movie came out like 
like five years ago now. And then this, this film, I would have to say like began production uh, shortly thereafter with, and just to touch on that too, is that like the first movie did like 35 million its opening weekend. This already has made like way, way beyond that. And it seems like it's, it's having a good hold on its box office too, as far as, um, cause it keeps doing, it's not having that like big of a percentage drop each week. So like, uh, it's already grossed about 225 million in the United States and Canada. Uh, and that opening week, I'm trying to see. So yeah, the opening weekend. Uh, debuted, debuted at 120.7 million. So again, like the first movie debuted at 35 million. So it just shows like how much the audience built up for this over like that five year period of maybe like people that maybe discounted the movie at first, like, Oh, another Spider-Man movie. When we already have 800 Spider-Man movies. Um, but then they saw and they're like, Oh, okay. Cause I know, like, I know one of my friends had like just finally watched into the spider verse because he was going to go see across spider verse with me. And I was, he's like, do I need to see the first one before I go see that? I was like, yes, <laughs> yes, yes, you do. And then he, you ended up enjoying it a lot. So I'm glad that he finally watched it. Uh, but again, like with that movie too, like we've, we've kind of talked about like how they, they do like the different animation styles with these films and how miles in that first film is animated on twos for a very long period of the movie when he's, yeah. he's web swinging until he finally kind of gets the hang of it and they change it to animating him on threes. Um, then you could even do that if you had the miles Morales video game where, and you can wear a suit from that first movie. So I like that they do that now in, in this second movie, as far as the, the story goes, it's kind of basically what they did in the first movie by blowing up the the reactor in that it kind of essentially created this rift that where like all these things are like different people are like falling through the rifts into other universes here. And we have uh, Miguel uh, going around basically working as like his own, basically like the Spider-Man TVA kind of yes <laughs> it's perfect yeah and i i which i think is like interesting and, like i like the whole like idea of like canon events so, like calling it a canon event too with like this has to happen for this to happen and like like even with uh miles like helping uh out on mumbai hatton to like save the the captain there that kind of creates like this whole chain of events that weren't supposed to happen because that captain was supposed to die uh in there and then it basically causes um what what it has like a specific word do you remember what it is from like a uh dr strange multiverse of madness with with the like the universes that are that kind of get messed up from like the anomalies with them they had like a specific name oh uh incursion yeah, incursion. Incursion, yes. Yeah, so it almost seems like that's starting to happen because it has like that same visual style starting there with like this whole like kind of opening and like swelling up into it. Um, and I also like how they do the callback in this 
this film too, which which makes it better when you watch into the Spider Verse now that the dude that's getting hit in the head of the bagel <laughs> is the spot, and which is even funnier because the bagel is a food that has a hole in it. Um, now, how did how did you guys like how they did with with Jason Schwartzman as the the spot in here and how they, he kind of had like a um like kind of like a villain a villain villain origin story kind of going on a little bit like in the background while everything else was happening and this seems like it's gonna build up more and more as we get into beyond the spider verse what did you what did you think of that michael and then stanford i thought it was great uh for having the villain being a i feel like a surprisingly small amount of the movie they still managed to have him have a great effect on the story that even though he wasn't present for a good chunk of it, you never really forgot about him. And they took a villain that easily just could have stayed the joke that he was for his first fight and made him incredibly menacing and uh, made him just like this massive multiversal threat out of nowhere. And it, it worked. It just made perfect sense. How about you, Stanford? You know, just to echo exactly what you know what Michael's saying too. It, uh, I thought that the villain was just expertly handled. Particularly, I mean, I knew going in this was a two-parter. I think a lot. I was sure a lot of people on the screen that I so they sounded so surprised by the end of it. Like people, don't you? I mean, I know that maybe I'm a little hyper informed, right? Because I just I'm just always so interested in, in it, but. Uh, anyway, so I thought it was perfect, you know, and that we're really set up for some major stuff in, in you know, in this next film. Uh, yeah. So I, I like, and Jason Swartzman, I think, you know, he's a great choice and, and love the animation. I love that scene in the deli with the, or that, the, you know, the bodega with the ATM and all that. <laughs> that was oh, yeah. so, so expertly done, you know, I thought it was very good. Oh, and I, I want to, um, correct myself from earlier. I said Janelle when I was Issa Ray for Jessica Drew. Yeah. Uh, the the other thing that I, I liked in here too, I like Daniel Kalua as Hobie Brown. Um, yeah. And the, yeah, he's great. I now this was the one thing that I had spoiled for me before I saw the movie, and it wasn't even there wasn't even like a hashtag or any like thing in the coffee. Someone to just straight up posted the photo of it on Twitter and it was Donald Glover as the ah, live uh, action version of the Prowler looking at, at Miles. And I was like, oh man, I wish I had had that spoiled for me. Uh, but I liked I liked that and I again like how they're including uh, Donald Glover in the movie. Like I, in that original version that my son and I saw of Into the Spider-Verse instead of Sunflower they actually had uh, Redbone playing in that. Oh wow! So it oh, and, and then they didn't end up having any uh, Charles Gambino in the movie, which. But I so I'm assuming this is supposed to, it, it, or it could be a different one. But I'm assuming this is supposed to be the same Aaron Davis that we saw in Homecoming. It's just you know years later, and now he actually is the, the Prowler in here. Uh, but he got got taken by Miguel. I would have liked to to seen like that, like. Because there would have been an animated Miguel Spider-Man 2099 apprehending a live-action 
Aaron Davis in the the MCU, I guess technically, because uh, we we saw kind of how that worked the other way when the spot is kind of figuring out his powers for the first time and his head goes into essentially Tom Hardy's Venom universe there. Which I wonder how many people realized that's what universe it was because I mean it's it's not like very like clear that it is unless you know or recognize the 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 convenience store owner in that which if also is just seems like it's reused footage from i I believe let there be carnage and it's just brightened Mm. up like the color grading is redone on it a little bit and just but i thought that was cool they they even encapsulated that in there too uh and the obviously since lord and miller have done uh, the lego movie they had to have the the lego <laughs> spider-man in here too which was animated by uh, a 14 year old kid that animated that entire uh lego spider-man sequence and the other thing i thought was funny too is that jk simmons is j Jonah jameson uh, yeah <laughs> appar- apparently in every single universe <laughs> Uh, it's it's even funny too. Like if you go to like there's a like the, like an Into the Spider Verse like wiki, is list list J K Simmons as J Jonah Jameson slash J Jonah Jameson slash J Jonah Jameson slash J Jonah Jameson slash J Jonah Jameson, rather than just list it once. Um, Great. But, yeah, some some of my like favorite sequences in this, which I'm not even sure like what they'll do in in Beyond the Spider Verse. Because I know they had talked about that they had ideas for live action sequences in this one, but then they like they felt weird almost with these. So I'm not sure how much they'll do that, if at all. In the next one, I it feels like they want to connect it somehow to the the MCU because of like I said, our already that they like their imagery for uh, like the timeline looks very similar to the secret yeah. timeline. Of, yeah, that looked intentional. Yeah, so between that and like seeing like archive footage of like Tobey Maguire's Spider Man and his Uncle Ben and Andrew Garfield and uh, Gwen Stacy, I did notice like I mean, and technically Donald Glover's from uh, Tom Holland's universe. We didn't see any version of Tom Holland's Spider Man. So I'm, and they did say they did save some variations of Spider Man for. Yeah, on the Spider Verse. Uh, so for like ones we didn't see in here, because obviously like we, we saw Spider Cat, we saw Spider Rex, <laughs> we, we saw a Peter Parked car. Uh, uh, so. <laughs> Peter Parked car. My goodness, those gags were so great. I liked how they. D- I, don't, I don't remember what the names of those are, but like like in comics, like how like they have like the little like caption to like describe. Oh yeah. Where, like, or if you like this, go back to this issue. I'll, and they weren't even like sometimes they weren't even on there for that that long of a period of time for you to be able to read it. So the, yeah. there's going to be plenty of times to go back in there once it does come up for home viewing to pause it and you can read all of like the little gags and stuff. And we know like that entire scene of all of these the spider people going after Miles, I guess, took four years ah, for them to animate that, which yeah, that makes sense with the, the amount of characters that are in it. Yeah. And all the different styles that all those different characters are in within that scene. I can only... Yeah. So, for, like, spider people that didn't appear in this, uh, that at least that you didn't notice or didn't recognize, 
who would you want to see show up in Beyond the Spider Verse as, as like a new uh, Spider Person? Huh. Good question. Yeah. I don't mind the, the 90s Spider Man just because didn't. I mean, people will say that the uh, like the ultimate Spider Man or unlimited Spider Man is technically supposed to be that same one from the 90s character because that show kind of kind of sort of is like a sequel to that but i don't i don't think that really counts i think i think it's got to be straight up the 90s spider-man yeah for sure Ooh, uh i want to see superior spider-man show up i think he'd be a lot of fun What about you, Sanford? You know, I uh, I want more of the of the dinosaur. <laughs> yeah, I want, I want to know what his canon event was. I know, I do too. <laughs> That's what you say. Can we explore that a little bit? <laughs> I saw I saw someone share a picture of uh, Timmy Turner from the like the Timmy Jimmy Power Hour like crossover things that they did for Nickelodeon, <laughs> and like Timmy had like a wish where he basically looked like Spider Man, and. Uh, shooting webbing out of his butt, and they're they're like, "What's his canon event?" <laughs> uh, I think the other another one would be cool would be like the the Japanese Spider Man, like the one. There's I don't know if it's still on Disney Plus, but they have like the like those. I don't remember what the name of it is, but I think it was like it's called like six one six, but it's like all these different oh, specials, yeah. and it touches on the the Japanese Spider Man. You could do like yes. the one. Uh, that's like the Spider-Man that basically has like a Megazord uh, in it too. There's like a whole bunch of like different stuff you could do really. I think I think they said he is coming because I guess they had mentioned before that he was going to be in the second one and okay. when he didn't show up somebody asked I don't remember which one, uh, uh, Lord or Miller on Twitter about it and they basically said that uh, some of them got pushed back to Beyond the Spider-Verse. Nice. Good, you could team up with uh, Penny that we see show back up for a little <laughs> bit in here. Both have the, the spider robots. Uh, now, we've already touched a little bit like on the story for this one, but I do, again, I do like how this one's more of like a two-hander where it is kind of a um, double uh, like co-lead with Gwen and uh, Miles in this. I like how uh, with here too, like how they expand a little bit more, like on Miles's story too, where that like the other thing in here too is that I've seen a lot of people point out that with his character, you'd think that he'd want to be looking to go to uh, college for art, just because with how amazing Miles of an artist he is, uh, but it, he's wanting to go to basically focus on, on basically physics and whatnot, because he wants to find his friends again. And then yeah. the whole thing, like with that is that he, like he, he chose physics instead of art, even though he clearly enjoys art more because he wanted to have a chance of seeing Gwen and Peter again so badly only to find out that they had the ability to visit him the whole time and choose not to, and chose not to, which 
I, I like like Peter B. Parker's not in here as much as he was in the first movie, but I, I do like what they they do with him in this movie and and with and with Mayday Parker, um, kind of showing like how much of an influence Miles had on him to the point where he's. Which, although that, that conversation can be weird to be like, you're the reason I, I wanted to have kids. <laughs> like, if you tell like a teenager, that's kind of <laughs> might be weird. Um, and this is also why I think there's like some time variation differences with how long of time there is on like these different universes between there. Because even if Peter went back and Mayday was conceived right away with Mary Jane, Mayday looks like she's at least like a year old and True. within the, at least within the time frame that, that they if not two years old at least within the, the time frame of what Miles says that's been for, for him of it being like a year and a half I don't think that would give enough time for like how old Mayday is supposed to be but I, I liked all the stuff with, with Peter B. Parker in here too and like how he's in full kind of like spider dad mode like the entire time it's like so he has the, the robe on wearing the, the robe time. and yeah and i even like near like the end where like mayday like pulls down for like her i thought she, that was great with her and they they used her really well too uh i just i, don't know, I just really liked all of that stuff with, with peter again in here um now how, how did you guys like how how they did uh with miguel and like technically this technically the spot is the villain uh, but Miguel's more I guess almost technically the prime antagonist of the movie so how did you like the framing of that of using Miguel as more the antagonist than the spot really was in the movie for this film and then do you think possibly like in that third movie they'll kind of recontextualize a little bit more or maybe the same way like this one had Gwen as like a co-lead with Miles, maybe like the third one will kind of pick up like that same way that it did with like Gwen in here, but like they start like that third movie with kind of giving a little bit more of like a backstory and framing for Miguel for why, like why he's doing what he's doing in the second movie. What do you guys think? Uh, Stanford and Michael. I like, how they used Miguel a lot in the story, for the most part. Uh, uh, I and and I thought Oscar Isaac was a great choice. He's just such a good actor, you know. And I thought he really, uh, I thought his vocal performance was 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 excellent. I'd say the only, and this isn't necessarily Miguel per se. The only issue that I really had with the movie, and I can't even say it's an issue, it's just. I thought, and, and, and again, in my brain, I was still also knowing that, that this is a two-parter. And there was a lot, they had a, they had a lot of expo a, a exposition. They had to explain stuff, you know, that was going to be happening. And so I don't fault, I really don't fault the filmmakers. However, I got really restless during Act Two um, when there was all that explanation about the disruption of Canada, you know, the Canada event. Uh, and then I know how important it was but, but also two things were going on. When, so the first time I saw it, I was sitting on the aisle and there was just starting about that point, And, you know, during act two of the film, there was this maybe six year old girl 
and her adults were letting her go up and down the stairs and it was a stadium seating. Like the whole freaking movie, like the, for the rest of the movie. This little girl oh, was just geez. going up and down the stairs and just right by me. And then one of her adults, I mean, again, I don't know, because they were sitting way behind. They were sitting like almost, I think, on the back row, it seemed like. And I promise my story is a point. But uh, her adult was like going, was going down the stairs with her. And then like four, I'm not kidding, four times in a row, he tripped on the same stair, right? Which is right by, <laughs> which is right by my seat. And I was just like, it was, it was, that was driving me crazy. So I was a little restless with the movie, as was this little girl who they just let just like kind of run uncontrollably with their tripping adults. <laughs> so I was really frustrated. I, thankfully, you know, things really pick up when all the spider people start going after, you know, start going after Miles. Um, and then I can just focus more on the movie and the action uh, 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 rather than this little girl who, who was nonstop. Then I got to tell you the second time I saw it, and maybe I was a little tired. I honestly, I fell asleep during that part. Okay. And that's the exact same part. And then I woke up, and then right when the spider people were starting, thought, well, I guess maybe I need to see it again or just realize, you know, that part is just not meant for me. <laughs> I don't know how to word it. So I don't fall that necessarily on, you know, uh, on Miguel or on anybody, but it's just my experience, and that's and and so uh, it, you know, everybody's saying this is the best movie ever made, and for me it's not, but it's but it's fantastic. I love you know I love it, but but I had some issues, and maybe I'm just gonna blame that you know, that that child <laughs> and the tripping dad or whoever he was. <laughs> yeah, sometimes you're experience at the theater can affect it can affect your entire just viewing of the movie some person's on their cell phone the whole time you know or something whatever yeah. and it's just like yeah. man crazy uh, how about you michael uh i loved him i thought he was great i like that uh peter b parker points out that he's like the only unfunny spider-man <laughs> <laughs> yeah and uh he he really so worked good. as the uh as the antagonist and finding out his motivations for yeah. not only being so upset that miles, you know, mess something up and possibly call cause an incursion, but that miles shouldn't have existed as Spider-Man in the first place was, I thought like a great, I, I guess you can call it a twist. Um, but yeah, it was, it was great, and it made him uh, a fantastic antagonist, especially because he is a Spider-Man, and those couple times when he kept saying, like, we are the good guys, like he, maybe if he says it enough times, he'll believe it. Uh, but yeah, I, I loved him. Nice. Uh, and I guess kind of segueing from that into like the last bit of what we'll talk about before we close out for this episode was with uh, Miles or at least the one that we've come to to know from Earth 1610, um, not uh, wasn't meant to be uh, Spider-Man because the spider that bit him was from the Earth 42. Now, with this, did that did that twist with like where uh, Miles shows up? Um, did that surprise either of you, or were you paying close enough attention where that 
like with that whole sequence there that that didn't surprise you when he showed up on earth 42 uh it didn't surprise me once uh once they got on the rooftop and you could tell that uncle aaron was suspicious of him yeah um especially when you saw a prowler attack him and it obviously wasn't him all right you Sandra. i thought it was a a pretty good twist but yeah there were those visual clues that i thought something's something's amiss yeah and and, and uh sure enough yeah so like the first thing like on like on the computer like as he's like opening the portal and the like and it reads his blood and it says earth 42 there i was like oh he's gonna get sent yeah not to his world but he doesn't know that uh and then i thought maybe i was like oh okay maybe he still did get sent back to where he's supposed to go. And then I liked how they they were cutting back and forth there between Gwen and him, like kind of being like within the same framing and you're like, are they in the same place? Are they not? Um, And then the whole thing there, I liked with how, with Gwen basically finally like to go back to her at the beginning of the movie where she puts a band together, um, which is basically we get, um, uh, Spider-Man India from this movie, we get uh, what was it? Yeah, and then basically everybody from the first movie with like Spider-Man Noir, Spider-Ham, Penny Parker. Uh, I don't think Spider-Punk was there. Was was he with them? I don't think I don't remember. Was. I think it was it was primarily basically just everybody from that first movie. So it was like Peter B. Parker, Spider-Man Noir, Spider-Ham, Penny. Penny, uh, and, Spider Bite was there. Oh, Spider Bite, and and then Spider Man India. So, I think m- maybe maybe uh, Spider Punk maybe will show up later, but he, it doesn't seem like he would really be part of a a group or a coalesced kind of like thing coming together for something. Um, but I liked how like that whole like group was together again there. So. That was a uh, great final shot. It's just a, yeah, just to get you so stoked for uh, the next, the, you know, the next movie. Yeah, and then so I mean, obviously we'll we'll hear uh, some John Mulaney and Nicolas Cage again in the third <laughs> movie, uh, and then here too, like with uh, with Miles on Earth forty two. I thought this was interesting too. Like, there's that whole there's that shot though too, where where Aaron punches like the punching bag and it has like this whole like visual like color like exploding out the other side of the bag. I was like, <laughs> did he just did he just like kill Miles? Like, he, like punched his face and like it exploded him. Um, but then like they cut back to me, he's he's there, uh, and it's very subtle, but I liked that in this shot as like they're like showing you that the prowler of earth 42 and the kind of like that earth 42 is just kind of like gone to crap because it doesn't have a spider-man and apparently doesn't have and any other kind of superheroes at all on that planet uh is that with the way that our miles of earth uh 1610 is tied to the bag it's it's a callback to the way that Peter B. Parker's tied up in that first movie. And he's like, don't watch the face. Always wa- watch the hands. 
And like in, yeah. in that shot, he's he's doing the the same thing that that Peter was doing in that first movie, and you can see him charging up there again and going back to like what Hobie was showing the earlier in the movie with like the spread of the the bite like through like the finger the palm that way, so it actually spreads the power out more. Which side note to that, some people have a theory that uh, Spider Punk also has like the electric kind of powers too, and that's how he's powering his uh, guitar. And using it like for and kind of new to give Miles that like tip with it, um, but I like kind of where it leaves it here with like Miles getting ready to basically escape from that situation, and then you don't really know what's going to happen next too because is Miles going to have to kick his own butt, um, <laughs> and it seemed like he could be pretty evil in a match because like when when he was fighting uh, Aaron in the, the first movie as the prowler it wasn't like he could just like straight up take take him out right away granted he was like freshly spider-man in that movie and he's been spider-man a little bit longer now but it should be interesting to see how that this goes i also think i saw that lord miller said something about like where miles isn't just going going to abandon this dimension he's going to try to since he's almost kind of at fault for why this earth or dimension is the way that it is because that spider didn't bite this miles so that that miles would become spider-man um that he feels some sort of like obligation to helping that dimension out before we would like peace out and back to wherever he's going to be so i'm curious to see what will happen there and, and then i guess as we we close out here what do you guys think will happen or what would you like to happen in beyond the Spider-Verse as we start to wrap up this episode? Uh, Michael and then Stanford. I don't know what I really expect to happen uh, besides Miles getting home um, and hopefully, you know, him and Gwen are able to uh, I don't know, get together or find a way where they can you know, relatively or regularly see each other. Um, other than that, I don't really know what my expectations are for it. How about you, Sanford? So, I mean, my hope is that they can prevent Miles' dad from dying, you know, yeah. in, in uh, uh, Earth 1610, right? But uh, I guess we'll see. And then, and then, Hopefully, you know, for Miles and Gwen to hook up, uh, and then and then beyond that, we'll just you know we're just gonna see. I think we're, in, we're gonna be in for a real wild ride, and it's gonna be fantastic. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm picturing the end of No Way Home times a thousand. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Good way to put it, Mark. Yeah, we're yeah. just gonna like we like we had that hero shot of like Peter one, two, and three like landing on the Statue of Liberty. Where I, I think there's gonna be some kind of thing in, in this next movie where like all of them have to have to team up against like the spot with like whatever he ends up doing in this next film. And there's gonna be like I feel like there's gonna be like this huge it's gonna have to be like this like a huge all out sequence of like all of the, the spider characters, like working together, kind of the same way we saw like the three of them in no way home, like, like playing off of one another's like webs going like up in that. 
I feel like if, if anyone can do it, like the team that has been doing these movies can put together a cohesive sequence that is going to feel like if you mixed No Way Home with the end of Endgame, but it's but it's but instead of all the MCU characters, it's all Spider characters. Uh, and I feel like something with that movie maybe like leads into because since it's Sony, I feel like maybe they'll have to try to they'll like lead it into something with like that Madam Madam Web movie that they're doing so that that kind of coalesces with like this whole spider verse that they've created. Cause that, that would actually make sense with somehow Madam Webb getting involved with like all of the, um, the spider verse shenanigans that have happened. And then these past two movies and by that, by that, that third movie. So I think that could be interesting. I think we'll probably see the, the three live action Spider-Man, uh, Peter Parker's in that too, probably. Uh, I don't know, and I, I, and they they said that it's supposed to be the end of like this Miles's like story for that too, uh, and with how well done the first and second movie are, uh, I have high hopes that like this one will thoroughly land on its feet and make the the series of movies like one of the the best trilogies, like with the best arcs that have been created, and just a good showcase for different forms of animation in general so oh i'm hopeful for like a very both personal as well as epic uh conclusion to this version of miles's story and i think at least from what we've seen so far there's not really too much of a reason to doubt uh that that's possible to happen for the last movie so uh Hopefully, the third movie still comes out in March of next year. Who's to, to say that it might not get delayed? Um, between apparently, Haley Seinfeld not, hasn't recorded any dialogue yet. Yeah, for that, I saw that. Which seems very <laughs> weird. Said that to me, Mark. Yeah. <laughs> they, um, unless they just have all temp dialogue in the movie right now, that feels very weird that they, that they yeah. haven't recorded any dialogue whatsoever. I was like, really? Really? The movie comes out in nine months. A baby could be conceived right now for Across the Spider-Verse and, and be born by the time Beyond the Spider-Verse comes out. And then you could call the baby Mayday Parker. <laughs> um, um, I do want to say, if it does get delayed, uh, like because this movie was delayed, we wouldn't have gotten that Lego sequence if it weren't because that, that 14-year-old uh, Spider-Verse trailer came out like five months ago with that trailer. And it was between that time and the movie releasing that they decided to add, add a Lego sequence and ask him to do it. So he did it over like spring break and after homework. Um, mm -hmm. So like besides the fact that it's like wildly impressed that a 14 year old was able to so animate cool. that entire thing yeah, on his own. Right. It was done like weeks before <laughs> the movie was about to release. That's crazy. So uh, who who knows if anything else could come of another delay, but I'm still hoping it's not. Yeah, and I, I did like how Miguel called him one of their or called that Spider-Man one of their best. <laughs> now I just yeah. want a Lego Spider-Man movie, like we got a Lego Batman movie. Oh uh, yeah, just give us a Lego Spider-Man movie. Uh, but yeah, I, so I think that that'll do it for 
our episode talking about Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. We're all eagerly anticipating uh, Beyond the Spider-Verse for whether that comes out in March of 2024 or whenever it may be, we shall see. Uh, But don't forget, uh, you can follow us individually on Twitter. Uh, All that information will be on in the show notes for myself and Stanford. Um, Then you can find the show on Facebook and Instagram at Animation Fascination and Twitter at Animated Podcast. Uh, You can email us if you want to at animationfascinationpodcast at gmail.com and visit our site for all of the episodes we've had as well where you can get merch if you'd like to as well. Uh, And then Trent Factor edits our episodes. And then where can they find you, Michael? Uh, You can find me at Instagram at Tarona M. I'll put that in the show notes as well, too, so people can check you out. Uh, But I'm Mark Dubert. So for myself, Stanford Clark, and our guest, Michael Tarona, uh, thank you for listening, and make sure to tune in again next time. Bye, everyone. Bye.